Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for October 19th, 2018. And this is going to be the fourth NBA slate of the year. So we've seen a few games so far. And uh, so something I was kind of thinking about is what's been important that we've seen so far. Because I, I think that a lot of people overreact to like a, one good or one bad performance that we've seen so far. Or even like I'm getting asked all kinds of questions about like yearly fantasy leagues where people are like, oh, do I pick up? Marcus Morris after one game because he shot like 100% from three. No, he's not going to keep doing that. But what is important is look at the minutes that guys are playing because I think that's more indicative of what we're going to see from uh, from players going forward is, is the rotations probably are going to be relatively the same going forward with a, a little bit of changes here and there. But uh, to like bring back the Marcus Morris example, uh, we're going to see him at a – in a tough matchup against the Raptors when I get to that game later. And he shot very well from three opening night, but he only played 20 minutes. So if we're looking at Marcus Morris as a DFS play or looking at it as a yearly league pickup, I, I, I don't want to place, I don't want to look to play somebody or be high on somebody who's not playing a lot of minutes, but happened to have a really good shooting performance because the, the shooting performance is, not sustainable. Somebody isn't going to keep hitting all of their three-pointers, but if somebody's playing a lot of minutes, that is something that we could project to keep happening going forward. So as I start to look at these games, I'm, I'm making a lot of rotation decisions or players I like based on, oh, this guy's cheap but played a decent amount of minutes on opening night, whereas opposed to I'm not looking at the guys, oh, this guy's cheap and he made 75% of his three-pointers on opening night, therefore I want to play him uh, again today. So Let's look at minutes and pay attention to teams' rotations and how they're utilizing guys for the next couple of, of days, and I think that that'll give us a pretty good idea of, of what teams are looking like going forward. So the first game we have on the slate is the Charlotte Hornets at the Orlando Magic. I, I think the Magic are going to be a pretty favorable matchup for a lot of teams this year. Uh, they have a weird roster. They fell behind a lot against the Heat on opening night and then kind of uh, made a little bit of a comeback, but this is a team that I think is probably going to struggle to win even 30 games this year. I think that'll be like right around the mark they are, and I don't think they're going to be good on defense. They should play at a decently fast clip. I think they were slightly above average last year in terms of pace. So from the Charlotte side of the game, uh, Kemba Walker's pretty fairly uh, priced. One guy who I do think is worth looking at is Malik Monk at 4700 He was the Hornets' first-round pick last year, and he looks like somebody's going to have a much bigger role this year. He played well on opening night, and he played 34 minutes. So 34 minutes for him on opening night after playing about 13 minutes per game in his rookie season. He looks like somebody's going to have a bigger role, plus matchup, only 4,700. Uh, I probably wouldn't use Monk in a cash game, but I think he's a good GPP play with a lot of upside. Uh, one thing I was a little surprised by was Jeremy Lamb only played 21 minutes on opening night. He's still 5,500, so until that price either goes down or we see more minutes from him, I'm kind of off him for now. Uh, Nicholas Batum at 6,000, a little bit underpriced for him also. I think he's good for cash games, GPP. When he's really going well, we we see Batum as like a mid-7,000 player. He actually got as high as like the mid-8,000s last year. So 6,000, a lot of upside there. I think there's a lot of floor. He averaged 28 DK points per game last year. Previous years, he was like in the mid-30s, but he was also dealing with an injury last season. 
So six thousand, I think we definitely see that price go up going forward. I like I like Batum and Malik Monk are my favorite plays from the Hornet side of the game. Uh, getting into Orlando, like I was saying about them the other day, they have so many big men on the roster that are just going to make for weird minutes. We saw Aaron Gordon play thirty eight minutes. But outside of him, the minutes were really spread out. Jonathan Isaac only played 18 minutes. We saw 28 from Vucevic. Uh, if we're looking in the backcourt, I think that Evan Fournier priced down to 5,200 makes some sense. He did not play very well on opening night. He also got into foul trouble. So if we look at him as playing 24 minutes, he he also picked up four fouls, which limited his playing time a little bit. I don't think that's going to be an issue for him against... The Hornets, uh, so I think 5200 a little bit too cheap for him. Look at his pricing from last year. We saw him pretty regularly, like high 5000s low 6000s so a little bit of pricing value there. I think he's the guy to roster from the Magic side of the game. Uh, next game, New York matchup, the Knicks at the Nets. You know, as Even as a Knicks fan, uh, I guess suppose a Knicks fan, because now I just kind of root for whoever my... DFS players though that I have high exposure to, but as as a somewhat of a Knicks fan in terms of I guess they are my favorite individual team to root for. Th- this is the most unwatchable team in the NBA. They stink. So one thing that was actually really funny from opening night was the Knicks missed their first nine field goal attempts of the game. Fizdale calls timeout. It, the game's being played in New York. They go to commercial break. And a fan comes on the court and hits a half quarter for ten thousand dollars. So that is that was the Knicks' first made shot of the year. Was the fan coming on the floor on the court and hitting the ten thousand dollars shot, which is enough money to go to like two more Knicks games because that is how ridiculously overpriced the tickets are to watch this shitty team play basketball. Uh, the other issue with the Knicks is the minutes are supposedly going to be pretty spread out this year. Fizdale said he doesn't want to play anybody on the team over 30 minutes per game. And we saw minutes pretty spread around on opening night, but they also just destroyed the the Hawks. So it's, it's hard to know, were the minutes down because Fizdale said they were going to be down? Did they end up being down just because of how one-sided the game was? But either way, we see Tim Hardaway Jr. priced all the way up to 7300 he was awesome on opening night, but that's still that's that's more than I want to pay for him at seventy three hundred, especially if he's only going to be playing like a max of possibly thirty minutes. Uh, Ennis Canner at seventy four hundred. The Nets have been really bad against centers the last couple of seasons, but I really like Jared Allen. I think that he's going to be a solid defensive player. He was really good on opening night, and I, I don't think that this matchup is as good for Ennis Canner as it looks like on paper when we look at the Nets uh, like DVP stats or the ease ranking from previous seasons. I think they're going to be tougher guarding centers and then in the guards we saw really spread out minutes between Trey Burke Frank Nielakina uh Courtney Lee could be back tomorrow he missed opening night uh Alonzo Trier played some minutes so I, I think it's too spread out there there's not really any plays that stand out to me from the Knicks side of the game getting into the the Nets we saw uh Karis Levert who I thought was a good play on opening night because of the extra minutes due to the injuries the Nets had uh, Damari Carroll has uh, underwent ankle surgery. He's going to be out for a little while. Alan Crabb was out on opening night. He's expected to play tomorrow. He's really cheap at 4200 He averaged about 25 DraftKings points per game last year. So there's some pricing value at 4200 assuming that Crabb is not limited. He's starting playing regular minutes. I think that he makes sense at 4200 uh, Lavert still, I think, makes sense at 6300 D'Angelo Russell was a little disappointing on opening night, uh, but still, I think 6,400, I think that he's worth looking at. The the Knicks team, I just think they're going to be bad on offense. They're going to be bad on defense. I think the Nets are a much better team, uh, even though the Nets are only favored by three points in this game. I think the 
I think the spread should be wider. And actually, I like the Nets uh, giving the three points off. So I think that they're a decent bet. Um, but yeah, there's I think there's a few guys we can look at here. Crab, Levert, Russell. Uh, Jared Allen's okay as a GPP play. He finished with a double-double with uh, four blocks on opening night. And if we looked at him last year, he played really well per minute. The issue with with uh, Jared Allen was he just didn't get consistent minutes, didn't get enough playing time. But he was over 30 minutes on opening night. So if, if we're going to get 30-plus minutes from him, then he's he's going to be a really good fantasy player this year. So I think all of those guys we could look at from the Nets and are, are good good guys to roster. Uh, next game here is the Kings at the Pelicans. And this is the game with the highest point spread on the slate. Hornets, uh, Pelicans favored by 11 points and also 230 point over under. So the Hornets are expected to, uh, Pel- I keep calling them the Hornets still. I think that uh, my dad does that a lot too. I think it's just a thing that happens when you get a little bit older. You start to watch a lot. Like I, when I watch the Chargers play, I still think of them as the San Diego Chargers, not the LA Chargers. And I think it's just, you, you, I get accustomed to these team names and uh, like the old dog can't learn new tricks thing. I, I can't. I can't remember these teams by what their names actually are. And New Orleans Pelicans. Pelicans is a stupid mascot of our team name anyway. So shame on them for naming themselves the Pelicans. Uh, but the Kings side of the game, uh, we saw pretty spread out minutes for the Kings with the exception of De'Aaron Fox, Willie Cauley-Stein, and Buddy Heald all played significant minutes. I think that those three guys are all okay plays for this slate. And I think this game does make sense uh, from a game stack perspective because if it stays close... I think we could see a lot of good fantasy performances. But outside of those three, not really a lot of Kings guys I want to roster. We saw Bielitsa, Yogi Ferrell, Justin Jackson. Uh, a bunch of these guys just kind of played like mid-20s range minutes. So I'm just going to avoid them until that kind of settles itself. It's De'Aaron Fox, who I think is the best play of any of them, and then Willie Cauley-Stein and Buddy Heald, also worth rostering. You could play all three of them together and then run it back with a couple Pelicans guys like Anthony Davis, maybe Alfred Payton. I think both of them are good plays. I think Drew Holiday is also a good play. Uh, Anthony Davis for GPPs is my favorite guy to spend up for on the slate. I say this all the time. Anthony Davis, unless it's a really small slate where we don't really have a ton of options, he's just GPP only for me, not cash games. Uh, I know I, I like to say that Anthony Davis is not quite as fragile as people make him out to be. But with that said, he still leaves enough games over the course of the season that if you consistently roster him in cash games, it's just not going to work out long term because there are going to be eight or so games during the season that he's going to leave early and it's just going to kill a cash lineup. So Anthony Davis for me, GPP only. Uh, Drew Holiday, he's priced down at 7200 on opening night. He played 38 minutes, didn't really put a lot of shots up, only got 12 shots. The usage rating was a little low. But I think that should bounce back. And 7,200 in a plus matchup, I like him. We kind of saw the old Alfred Payton also put up a triple-double, the perfect uh, triple. He did the bare minimum to get a triple-double. 10 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. But we saw a ton of minutes from Alfred Payton, 37 minutes. So 5,800 for Alfred Payton, a guy who's historically averaged over a fantasy point per minute, playing mid-30s amount of minutes. I think that he's worth rostering. Uh, Miritich and Julius Randle, both a little bit too expensive for me. Miritich ridiculous shooting performance on opening night. Uh, not going to continue doing that. Julius Randle played really well, did leave the game briefly with an injury, except he only played 24 minutes. So it's hard for me to get behind Randle at 7,100 if we're going to see him under 30 minutes. So really the 
primary plays for me here are Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, Alfred Payton, and I think this is overall a pretty solid game to stack. Uh, next game, we have the Cleveland Cavaliers at the Minnesota Timberwolves, and uh, one of the guys who was a really good play for me on Wednesday, we really liked, was uh, the last set I, uh, Seti Osman, who had, uh, what was his, I think he finished with a double-double, he played 33 minutes, and he does a little bit of everything. He, he could score, he puts up defensive stats, he's a good passer, he rebounds. So that's a really favorable guy, type of player to roster for cash games because somebody who fills the box score in a lot of different stats, are, is, they're just not going to put up that many duds because there's so many ways for them to accumulate fantasy points. So maybe he doesn't pick up defensive stats for a game except he's still scoring, he's rebounding. Maybe the shot isn't working except he has other ways that he could put up fantasy points. So 5,400 for Osman, I really like him for cash games. I like him for GPPs. Uh, George Hill, I think, makes sense at 5,000. He played, uh, was it 34 minutes on opening night? Uh, 32 minutes. So at a price of 5,000, I think he makes sense against a kind of disjointed Minnesota Timberwolves team. And then Kevin Love, I, I think that he is a pretty sensible play also. We saw him with a 32.5% usage rating on opening night. He just didn't make the shots. He only made 27% of his shot attempts. But he was very involved in the offense. They went to him a lot. And as long as that usage pick, as long as that usage keeps up, he's going to have some really big fantasy performances this year. He's going to put up some big rebounding totals. So Kevin Love, Seti Osman, who I think is a really strong value play again. And then George Hill, I also think is worth looking at. From the Minnesota side of the game, I just don't know what to make of this team. They were... Like they on opening night, they played Derrick Rose 30 minutes, and he ended up taking what would have been the game-tying shot. He ended up getting a layup that he came nowhere close to making, just kind of threw it off the backboard. And it's, it, was, it was just a weird spot. The Derrick Rose in, in crunch time in a close game, have him playing over 30 minutes. And last year when Jimmy Butler was off the court, Derrick Rose led the team in usage, which is not conducive to a good offensive team in 2018 because – Derrick Rose is way past his prime, and I just think he kind of kills the whole team. Like, Carl uh, Anthony Towns got in some foul trouble opening night, but either way, even in limited minutes, Towns ended up taking six shots, which is just ridiculous. This whole team, I, I don't think it makes any sense. I think Tibbs is going to get fired. I think Butler's going to get traded at some point. Uh, Butler's at 8100 His price has gone up from the 6700 which is way, way too cheap for him on opening night. But f- for now, I'm, I'm going to avoid the Minnesota Timberwolves until there's some pricing value somewhere. And that's not to say there isn't upside in a guy like Jimmy Butler or Carl Anthony Towns. I just think it's going to be too difficult to predict on a night-to-night basis. There's nine games on, so we have eight other games to choose from. There's other good plays. So I'm just going to avoid them for now. Uh, Next game has the lowest point total on the slate, but it's actually the game from a real-life basketball perspective that I'm most excited to watch, and that is the Boston Celtics and Toronto Raptors. Uh, These could very easily be the two best teams in the East. I think that both these teams have an outside chance at challenging the Warriors for a championship this year. There's some really cheap prices on Boston for tomorrow. This is a really tough matchup. I think the Raptors are going to be one of the best defensive teams in the league. I think the Celtics are going to be also. But still, Kyrie Irving all the way down at 6,600. I think that they could give him some extra minutes in this one for kind of a premier matchup against the Raptors. He has a tough individual matchup against Kyle Lowry, but still, 6,600 is too cheap for a player as good as Kyrie. Uh, Al Horford at 6,100, that's too cheap for him also. 
Uh, Gordon Hayward's still in the minutes restriction, so we could avoid him. Jason Tatum looked really good at opening night, but 6,500, his game is still a little hollow in terms of, from a fantasy perspective, he kind of just scores, and that's where most of his fantasy points are going to come from. He did put up nine rebounds on opening night, but for the most part, if you look at his box score from last year, he averaged five rebounds, one and a half assists per game, not a lot of steals or blocks. So he's very scoring dependent. He's going to be guarded by Kawhi Leonard tomorrow uh, tonight. So no thanks for me on Tatum. I think Irving makes sense. I think Horford makes sense at their reduced price tags. And then from the Toronto side of the game, I really like Kawhi Leonard to 8,500. I thought he looked really good on opening night. There was a little bit of rust for him in the first quarter. Then he shook it off. He looked fine the rest of the day, uh, the rest of the night. And I think that he's going to he's going to be in the MVP discussion at the end of the year. I think he's going to be in a first team All NBA player. I, I think he'll be fine. And eighty five hundred. I just think the price tag is going to keep going up for here. So I think that he's worth rostering. I think that Lowry's worth rostering seventy five hundred. Uh, neither of them are like my favorite plays on the slate or anything like that. But playing like multiple GPP lineups, there'll be guys who are in like ten percent of lineups or something like that. Uh, next game, the Atlanta Hawks at the Memphis Grizzlies. The Hawks got destroyed by the Knicks on opening night. The Grizzlies got destroyed by the Pacers on opening night. People were joking on Twitter that the Grizzlies, like, oh, are they ever going to win a game this year? Because that was how terrible they looked. But here's how bad Vegas thinks the Hawks are. The Grizzlies are 7.5-point favorites against the Hawks after the Grizzlies lost by a million points, and people joked that they were never going to win a game this year. So the Hawks really stink. I still stand by that. I think the Grizzlies are going to be improved from last year. I think they're going to be a solid defensive team. So I don't really want to roster anybody from the Hawks side of the game. Uh, Trey Young, I think there'll be good spots to use him. I think his usage is going to be really high this year. Uh, But still, I think tough individual matchup for him against Mike Conley. And then in addition to that, if we look past Trey Young at Torian Prince, he he sees consistent minutes. But beyond that, I think we're going to see really spread minutes from a lot of the Hawks guys because they just don't have a lot of talent. I think they're just going to give a lot of guys opportunities to play. So the Hawks are going to be a fade for me for Friday. And then the Grizzlies side of the game, I really like Mike Conley's matchup. He looked rusty on opening night against the Pacers. Uh, They also just kind of got slaughtered that game. I think this is a good bounce back spot for him at 6,800. The price has gone up a little bit, but I think think this should be a good game for Mike Conley to get back on track. Marcus Sol, 7,200. I think he's fine to roster. Uh, both Conley and Gasol, I think they're cash game viable. I think they're GPP. They're good GPP plays. And then Jaron Jackson Jr., he looked pretty good on opening night. He got uh, 25 minutes, and he's somebody who I think we could see average over a fantasy point per minute this year. So if he's going to be getting 25 to 30 minutes per game, then I think that we should expect him to score 25 to 30 fantasy points per game. And then we look at the 4600 price tag, a little bit of value there, plus matchup. So I like him as a GPP play, not really as a cash game, because I'm not totally 100% confident in how consistent he's going to be in his rookie year and just second NBA game. But GPP, I like I like Jackson at 4600 And then the other thing also, if you look at the Grizzlies as 7.5-point favorites, outside chance that this game turns into a blowout, and then we could get Jaron Jackson in garbage time against uh, the Hawks' backup. So... If the Hawks starters are bad, the backups are even worse, and that would be a really strong matchup for Jaron Jackson. Uh, next game, we have the Indiana Pacers at the Milwaukee Bucks. I think the Bucks are going to be pretty tough defensively this year. Old Depot at 8,400. I, I think there's better guys to look at, like, for instance, Kawhi Leonard in like the same price thread. I'd rather roster him. 
Tyreek Evans coming off the bench, he is at 6,100. He only played 23 minutes on opening night. Part of that was because of the blowout, but I'm not totally sold on what his usage or minutes are going to be for the Pacers, so no thanks on him for me as well. And then the big man situation, Demonis Sabonis was awesome on opening night. Miles Turner played pretty well also. I still don't know how they're going to split up the minutes, so I'm going to give this one or two more games still to kind of see like what happens when, because Miles Turner also got in foul trouble on opening night. I know that they're making a push to try to play Sabonis and Turner together a little bit more this year, which they didn't do a whole ton last year. Uh, but until I see more of them together and kind of figure out what they're going to be doing with the big man situation, I'm away from them. So nobody that I really like from the Pacer side of the game. From the Bucks, we've got Giannis at 11000 Just kind of a fair price. I'd rather pay up for Anthony Davis than Giannis. Uh, we've got Bledsoe has been priced down to 6600 the Pacers were pretty good defending point guards last year, but still 66. I think that that's a good looking price tag for Bledsoe. I prefer Kyrie for the same price, but still, I think that Bledsoe is worth being in the player pool. He's really the only Bucks guy that I'm really interested in is uh, Eric Bledsoe. So a couple games left, and here we've got Golden State Warriors at the Utah Jazz. I don't really love this game either. The Warriors. Definitely always have potential to have upside, but it's a really tough matchup against the Jazz, who are one of the best teams in the league at defending fantasy points at basically every single position. And the Warriors have not been priced down for this game. We've got Curry's at 9,700, Durant's at 9,600. So if we saw these guys priced in like the 8,000 range or something, then I think they would make more sense. But for these salaries in that matchup, I'm going to stay away from them. And the center rotation... Uh, Kevon Looney, Damian Jones, Jordan Bell looks like all these guys are going to get minutes, which I think long term is going to make it so that neither, none of them are really all that DFS viable. I know that Looney was really good on opening night, but I, I don't think that he's going to continue picking up all those defensive stats, and I, I don't think the minutes are going to be consistent for him either. From the Jazz side of the game, kind of the same situation where a, a bit of a tough matchup for them, and then we've still got Gobert, Donovan Mitchell priced up a bit, so. Overall, this game is going to be a stay away for me. Uh, last game of the night, the Oklahoma City Thunder at the Los Angeles Clippers. I really like Paul George. He's one of my favorite plays on the slate at 8,700. He did get priced up a little bit from uh, opening night where he was at 8,000. But still look at Paul George where he took 23 shot attempts, didn't really make a lot of them. But he was, he, he was involved everywhere. The offense was running through him. Uh, Dennis Schroeder wasn't touching the ball. It was probably Paul George touching the ball, and they were really the only two who were doing anything on ball for the Thunder. Uh, Schroeder's been priced up to 7700 so that's a little too expensive for me. I'm, I'm fine with Xing him out of the player pool. It's really Paul George that I'm most interested in at 8700 He should have a massive usage rating as long as Westbrook's out, and the expectation is that Westbrook is going to miss this game also. He's listed as out on the injury report. Injury report's not always reliable in the NBA, but I, I think that the expectation is that Westbrook is still a, a few games away from playing. He hasn't gotten into practice yet, and they've said they want him to practice before he starts getting into games. So I think we could we could safely assume that there's going to be no Westbrook for tomorrow night's slate. From the Clippers' side of the game, uh, I know that people are going to want to roster Boban. He's 3,900. He's a ridiculous per-minute fantasy producer. He played 18 minutes on opening night, scored 27 fantasy points. Like Everybody on Twitter is asking me, do I pick up Boban in my yearly league? Do I drop this guy for Boban? Do I add Boban? Who do I drop? 
stockpile. Like I'm getting questions. I have Boban. Do I drop Boban for Boban? My roster's already Boban, Boban, Boban. Do I want Boban? Everybody likes him. I think that he's going to get some ownership here, but I'm a little concerned that he played 18 minutes, and then after the game, Doc Rivers said that he felt the team struggled towards the end because he played Boban too many minutes. He thought that Boban got tired. He thought it hurt their defense. So I think we see less playing time for Boban in this game. I think we see him more around the 10-minute mark or something. So even if he goes crazy per minute, it's still hard to see him with a massive amount of upside for 3,900, assuming that I'm correct about him. Uh, not playing a ton of minutes. So I'm off of Boban in this game. I think Danilo Gallinari makes sense at 5,900. He got in a bunch of playing time on opening night. He played 34 minutes, and that was despite fouling out and having to come out of the game early due to foul trouble in the first quarter. So 5,900 for Gallinari, I think that's a pretty good price. Uh, Tobias Harris, I think, is fine for cash games at 7,400. A GPP play that I like a decent amount off the Clippers bench is Shy Gilgis Alexander. Uh, I did a pre-draft podcast with Josh Lloyd and Kyle McEwen, and I was really high on uh, Gilgis Alexander at that point in time. And part of the reason is because I just generally think that anybody coming out of Kentucky into the NBA, there's such a good track record of players that have gone through John Calipari's system that end up being good players in the NBA and end up being more valuable in the NBA than they were in college, that I just always give those players the benefit of the doubt, kind of like a Kentucky slash John Calipari effect. So Gilgis Alexander is somebody who, for those reasons, then also just super athlete, really good wingspan that I think could be a really good NBA player. And if you look at him on opening night, he played 28 minutes off the bench. Uh, He figures to be a pretty good per-minute fantasy producer, not really a good jump shooter at this point in his career. But with the length, he should get steals and blocks. Good passer, so I think he should get assists. He's a really good finisher at the rim. So I think that Gilgis Alexander for 3800 he's a little bit risky. But for GPPs, I think there's a lot of upside in that price tag. And I don't think he's going to have a lot of ownership either. So I think that he's a sensible play, uh, certainly in GPPs. So that is going to wrap up today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GEarenbergDFS. Uh, I hope you guys have a good weekend. Uh, I'm not going to be po- uh, recording podcasts over the weekend. And then also a reminder for the articles I write on Basketball Monster, the days I've off during the week is there's no articles on Thursday or Sunday. And the reason for that is usually Thursdays tend to be really small slates like we saw tonight with just three games. And it's it's just hard to kind of give like good written advice for a two or three game slate because it's almost like everybody's in play. And then uh, Sundays I have off also, and that's generally because there's uh, football that I'm involved with, and then also that there's just early starting games and there's kind of like weird slates on Sundays. So I hope you guys have a good weekend, and I'll be back to record a podcast for Monday's slate.